Deezer Originals. Hello, I'm Joy Barton and welcome to The Edge, my brand new podcast series for Deezer Originals. Now most of you will know me from the football pitch and maybe occasionally from the headlines too, but I also consider myself many things, a pundit, a father, a bit of a thinker. Over the past few months I've found myself away from sport, banned from the game I love, and I've been using my time to explore something I've always been interested in, the mindset and the psychology of the game. To have the edge, as I would call it. Now to me, the idea of the edge can mean a lot of things. Being on the edge of success, the edge of failure, the edge of change. But on the edge, I feel that's where you truly find out about yourself. It's where you truly grow and prosper as an individual. And on this show, I want to explore that. To speak with the people I look up to in the worlds of performance, sport, music, politics and beyond. And to find out what living on the edge really means to them. For this week's episode, I spoke with one of the UK's most gifted rugby union players, fly half Danny Cipriani, who Clive Woodward, incidentally on this podcast series, described as one of the best natural talents he'd ever seen. A decade ago, Danny made his England debut at the age of 20 and was touted as England's great hope of the future when he was given the task of reviving England's rugby fortunes as he took over from fly half a national hero, Johnny Wilkinson. That in itself is an unenviable task. Since then, he's gone on to make the headlines both on and off the field and his career has been defined by a string of setbacks and also his comebacks. So let's begin On the Edge with Danny Cipriani. So Danny, really, really excited to have you here. Obviously, um, followed your career from a, from a distance. Really looking forward to conversing with you for the next whatever hours it yeah, is. Yeah, looking forward to it. It uh, should, be, should be fun and throw a few curveballs in there. See where this goes, eh? That's it. Clearly, hugely talented sportsman. Obviously, you're growing up in a background where you're playing multiple sports and then you get to the age of, you say, like 12, 13, 14, where you start to go down. Yeah, it was, it was 15. I had well, to like, choose school. So I, I school, and is yeah. that the change in you when you're, when you're selecting school? Yeah, it was. I just wanted to go to school with my two best mates and they went to Whitgift. And at the time, they weren't a huge football school. I'd been there for a couple of years and then they got Victor Moses, got the best football coaches and by the time I was playing rugby at an academy they became a good football school so Victor was at Whitgift when I was there but so, yeah that, that that was what I ended up doing Where does the sport and drive come from in you? The drive it was playing in the cage in my council estate that was my biggest release there was a cage out the back which just didn't really look like much wouldn't look like much now but it was just my release I'd go out there we'd play football for hours and before you know it as a kid you know you don't really think about it, but you're doing well. You're scoring goals. Everyone's like, "Oh, that's wicked." That's whatever you're doing, and you kind of think, "You know, I'm I'm not too bad at this." And so your sense of self worth no, comes up. You, in... you get some self worth. You yeah, get some notoriety, course, yeah. and you feel good about yourself. And you know, that's where I just I spent hours. You know, until we went dark. That's what we, we would do for uh, hours. And do you think that's where your your will, your drive to win, comes from as uh, well? My drive probably comes from my mum. Because she was like a black cab driver, a single mum. Um, she worked all hours God sent her, which allowed me to obviously go in the cage and run around the, is, the is, is, Have you got any brothers or sisters? No, no, no. Just you? Yeah. I would obviously have loved brothers or sisters, but I don't think my mum would have been able to do what she did if we had other siblings. Her her drive for me was to see what she was doing and putting herself through was, um, even at that young age, I was just like, mum, take a rest, like take a break. Do you so know she I mean? drove a cab? In order for you to go to private school, yeah, yeah, um, I got, I got scholarship. scholarship. I got a scholarship at Whitgift, and 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 they would do bursaries. But if you weren't good enough, still, she would have. But it's still, still a lot of art to ask for yeah. for someone who's a single mum, you know, and Incredible. a black, black cab driver. So that's where I guess I get my my drive from. Your inspiration, um, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. In, in in that manner, she tells me she was under sixteen lacrosse England women's or something. But I'm like, whatever, mum, don't lie. Yeah. <laughs> she got She's the like, sport and yeah, jeans then? Apparently she said, yeah, but I don't think she was. I've seen her try and catch, it's not true. Well, hey, she might have been back in yeah, the day, mate. You, you can't, if she says it, if your mum says it, then that's gospel. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So w- what does winning mean to you now then? Winning to me, it's funny because when I first started at Wasps, it just was the way of life. I went into a successful team that was full of internationals 
and we won Europe my first season and the Premiership my second season. And I was almost like, well, this is how it is, isn't it's it? Easy. The rest of your life, this is what happens. And, you know, I Who, who's the coach there then? Sean, it was Sean, Sean. Edwards, uh, Ian McGeekin and Warren Gatlin. Wow. So it's a phenomenal coaching yeah, environment. Not not too bad. Yeah, um, phenomenal. So straight away there, I'm not, it's going to, it's easy for me. After that, I'm like, right, where'd you kind of go after that? You know, in rugby terms, McGeekin, for me, synonymous with the Lions, you yeah. know, the Jim Telfer speech and that first living with the Lions tour. McGeekin for me is someone I always associate with Lions rugby. Sean Edwards, rugby league legend, obviously. I've met him yeah, via yeah. you. Phenomenal coach, phenomenal personality. Yeah. And Gatland, you know, obviously current or the last Lions coach for the last couple of tours. Somebody who's close in terms of Welsh rugby, synonymous with winning. Yeah, obviously sure. a New Zealander, so comes at it with that culture. I'm looking at that going, what a coaching environment for mm. a young lad. You know, someone like you with the talent you've got. You know, I'm looking at that going, how, how have you not become the next Johnny Wilkinson mm. you know if you'd have stayed in that environment if you'd have stayed I mean it's hard to keep that environment together I know Unfor- that unfortunately they obviously left to go yeah. elsewhere but it, it was for me even at the young age they had given me a voice as a fly half you're, mm. you're, you're meant to run a team you're meant to drive a team so even at a young age I had a respect within them they'd seen me come through from a youngster they'd known me personally but, but also for you for them would be confidence you have in yourself when you know they've got confidence yeah exactly in you. so then I guess I've entered the same the England set up with you know I had that with Brian Ashton he was England coach he picked me and I, I had that and I had the ability to run the team and we did and you know we had some, uh, some success in a short period there but then they Brian didn't, Ashton did well yeah he did but yeah. then they didn't want him to coach anymore so he didn't and then that's when Martin Johnson came in so I've obviously I've just not waited to see his type of character a little yeah. bit more. I've basically gone in with what I've been doing for the last three years. But, but sometimes which has been sports timing, mate. Been, yeah, exactly. You sport is timing. Yeah. Um, people don't understand that. Sometimes for people to be... So you look at Johnny and you say, okay, could have been successful anywhere. But also if Clive's not putting the, the structure in place and there's not the pragmatic approach to rugby, mm. you know, rugby becoming more professional, so on and so forth, then you never ever know what would have been it's all hypothetical I'm looking at your um, as we're talking there and I'm going okay yeah, imagine you know you got the golden era the uh, class of 92 Man mm. United imagine they come through in 2012 as opposed to 92 when Manchester United a little bit more turbulent Fergie's about to leave would Giggs and the two Nevilles and Scholes and Beckham and, and would they have had the same impact it had been Van Hal, David Moyes and the upheaval that's going on at Man United until Mourinho gets there now and it settles down. You know, if if we're saying that infrastructure of Wasps would have stayed together and you get a period where Fergie, you know, has 28 years or whatever or or, or that is, you, you get a lot more stability in, you, in your younger era, then I think that couldn't have not helped you on, yeah, on, on a club und- level. Undoubtedly, I've not thought of it like that, but for sure it would have undoubtedly helped me but, you know, this is where my passion is allowing youngsters to be able to man manage coaches in a certain situation or understand the coach of the situation because then they can adapt and, and flourish as opposed to, you know, butting heads and it becoming a, you know, I'm I'm the coach, you're the player mm. type thing. Having that relationship that I had with the previous coaches, but you don't always get that immediately. And, you know, that's what I had to learn in that in that manner. Well, we, you read a lot about, I've read a lot about the All Blacks and it seems that their culture is at the stage now where it's very much player-led. Mm. So the, the coaches put a lot of responsibility onto the playing staff in terms of to come up with certain scenarios because ultimately you're at the coalface. You know, I always believe with managers, I've always worked better with managers when I've been given more responsibility because you're seeing things in real time. Yeah, 100%. I think that's something that, I've I've always said is the more responsibility, the more you get from from certain types of players. But I, I remember I I kind of got off on the wrong foot with with Jono and some of the squad because not some of the squad like the the Leicester the Leicester lot because I remember I, I who I've, is the Leicester lot? So it's it's this is quite an old school mentality. It was anyway. Lewis Moody put me in his book to sell a few copies, so we got that out there. But yeah, what happened was I fractured dislocated my ankle. And I, it was pretty bad. It, you know, it was, it was one where my ankle spun beyond 90 degrees. It was one of those will he play again type thing when I was 20, end of the season. So what, what's, your, what's your main ambition now going forward? My main ambition is 
just to to rehab the the hell out of this right now and come back early because one that shows commitment that shows what I'm about everyone at the club sees what I'm on right now everyone knows that I'm taking my my diet seriously I'm re- I've lost five six kilos yeah you know, explain uh, this to me a little bit well I, I'm doing a fast I'm fasting at the minute I, I I can't I can't go too much into the details of it because I don't want someone to listen and go oh yeah I'm gonna copy that and oh, do it because then I don't want them to fall over and collapse you know what I mean <laughs> no, I well, I'm asking I, you I'm I don't saying, be liable to that but it, I'm just you know while I was injured I and I'm not saying this is exactly what you should do I'm not saying that this is what the, the science says because a lot of science don't say it but what happened was, you know, I was while I was injured, I thought to myself, you know, for the last couple of years, you know, you end up lifting weights, you end up being at a weight, you know, you see people throughout your career, you end up just bulking out. It's not, you're not getting fat, you just bulk out, you know. I remember watching Premiership Years 05 and Premiership Years 2011 and the difference between Drogba and 05 and 11, he just looked thicker, but there's no way he's ever been out of shape in his career. Just with age comes that, you know, and I just, I just wanted to stop that. So I just did what I could, find research. A good friend of mine told me about um, fasting and I just got onto it and I would fast for 20 hours a day and I'd have a four hour eating window. So I'd eat at 6pm till 10pm. Is that a normal week? I did that for like 12 days straight. But obviously while I wasn't that active and I was in a brace and I was, you know, with my knee, I couldn't do too much. But obviously... So from 10am to 2pm? No, 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 no. I'd eat at 6pm and 10pm. So I'd, I'd fast oh, all nice. day. So you end up not eating for 20 hours. It's called the warrior diet. You can look at warrior fast or whatever it might be. You can look into it. It's called intermittent fasting. And I've heard people talk about this before. And for me, it was just, I did the amount of research I looked at and doing, and it was like, you know, people are like, oh, you've got to eat this and eat that, which, you know, might be the case. I'm, saying, I'm not saying that what I'm doing is, is gospel, but. So what, what do you eat when you do eat? Oh, you eat good. Good sized portions. Everything's very nutritious. Um, like throughout, throughout yeah. the day. So I, I had like four chicken thighs. You know, some some rice, a lot of broccoli, some bro- chicken breast, and some nuts to stack snack on. And I'd probably have that same sort of meal. But you'd have probably a bigger portion meal than you would normally. But yeah, that's that's what I um ended up having. Um, no and then, protein shakes. No supplements. No, the supplements I had would be a super greens drink, which had like spirulina, corella, like the most nutritious base drink you can get. And then throughout the day. You'd just have like a, a minerals drink. You'd have your zinc, your magnesium, your water, green tea, and like one or two black coffee max. And my energy felt great, you know. And and if you're constantly eating, your body's constantly digesting. So your 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 organs, everything's working to digest food. They say eat every two hours, whatever it is. I'm not saying that's not that's wrong. I'm not saying that this is the right thing. No, you are saying that. That's what you are <laughs> no, saying. No, I'm not. I'm just saying this is no, what no, I did. You are saying that. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. Because there's many ways to skin a cat. But for me, it was just yeah. My leg. I went to see the specialist. Said my leg's healing really well. Um, and you know, I was I was I was getting down to a position, and I felt energetic. And I've been, you know, I've probably annoyed the boys in the gym, but you know, I'm trying to. And you feel stronger? Yeah, I feel good. I feel great. I've not done too much. I'm um, like strength per se, but I'm not fatiguing with what I'm doing right now. And you know, I'm not I'm not currently doing that right now. You can move your eating hour, you eat an hour window. There's a sixteen eight type thing where you can eat for eight hours um, and fast for sixteen. It's it's more of an eating pattern than it is a diet. It's tons of things on intermittent fasting on I, it. I've so, been reading about this guy, this yeah. Dave Asprey. Have you read this? This bulletproof no, guy. So he's still in the midst of uh, powering my way through, but he's on about these bulletproof coffees, which has got like MCT yeah, oil yeah. in. So and, is he, does he talk about the keto diet where it's just just fats? I think he's no talking proteins. about trying many, many things. So okay. I'm at the point now where I'm obviously not playing, starting to get the... Well, I've done the, key, I've done the bulletproof coffee. All right. Well, that's come from him. Yeah, when I, it's just, like I said, I want to come back physically in the best shape that I've been in. And then, you know, I want to try and drive my club team to as high as we can go this season, play and lead by example in in that fashion. And yeah, it's it's almost just taking it quite slowly every step of the way because I'm in a position now where I'm I'm out of contract and, you know, I turned 30, you know, I've got my best years ahead of me. So I'm just, I'm just almost taking it like that. Obviously, I'd love to play for England. Obviously, I'm not... Of, but it's that, that's just always the question and there's a squad I'm not in it then it's always the headline and it just I don't know what to say there's nothing you can you know, do about it there is nothing you can do about that, it you? and you know and yeah they, you know I've just got to keep trying to improve areas in all areas of my game so and that's exactly what I'll be I'll be trying to do
with footballers, anytime you get over 30, I don't know whether you're the same in rugby, but anytime you get over 30, you become a veteran. Like literally you're 29 and you're in the prime of your career and then 30, boom, veteran. How long do you see yourself playing for? Obviously you're saying your state yeah, of mind sounds I've great. Like, I've got like, you know, it depends. I could play as long as I want really. It's like five or six years or I could go longer, but in terms of physically and, and mentally where I'm at, I'm, I'm at a great turning point for this next couple of years to be the best year, years of my career because... You know, I've I've got the experience, I've got the head of, you know, whatever I've learned over the last couple of years mm. to be able to really, you know, drive forward and, 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 and you know, make a movement in that fashion. Do you so, have long-term ambitions to coach, manage beyond that? Yeah, perhaps perhaps coaching is something that I might look into doing. Um, I think you'd be good at huh? Yeah, it'd be something I'd enjoy doing. That, that, there's that, uh, you know, all different things. I, I really want to try and have an influence on young sportsmen's career in terms of, you know, just give them sort of some sort of lessons and life lessons to to go on. Because I think there's a real you find I certainly found as as I got older that putting stuff back into you get a lot out of that. You don't understand that when a when a young player because mm. you're very selfish mm. and you as I say you're fighting to survive. You, all you think about is can I stay at this level? Can I survive yeah. at this level? Then as you get more mature and you become a lot more confident in your in your standing within the hierarchy yeah, yeah. of your sport, you then start to want to help others yeah 100% and, and I think I found I got an awful lot from that thought at first it made me a better person a better player a better teammate but also I found wow I got an awful lot of goodness out of helping somebody yeah, else yeah serotonin you're getting that out from helping others you know for sure if I said to you look, for me winning the league with Burnley was a f- great achievement I've got a couple obviously yeah I suppose in 10 or 15 years time when I've stopped playing I'll be able to look back and go that was the best year at this moment mm. in time that was the mm. best experience love that year with, with Burnley getting promoted if you had to pick one year out selfishly I'd probably say that because it was you know the best year from start to finish Yeah. what about yourself what's the best year In is it a year in which you've won is it a year in which yeah it all varies it all varies like... but, if, but if I asked you now obviously in 10 years time or 15 years time it'll change for sure it'll change for lifestyle I'd say my, my year in Australia was great I got to learn a lot learn a lot about myself you know grow up in that way I love that um, playing career wise that season where we won the premiership and I made my England debut and you know everything seemed to be going swimmingly but then I also finished that season by fractured dislocation of my ankle mm. but in terms of playing wise you know that season it was almost like every time I went on the field I would just it would just I would do something which you know felt like a lot of fun um but then I I loved my year at sale my 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 years at sale really trying to drive the team in a different fashion um more responsibility yeah and but I I started this season with with a really calm clear mindset and started the season well and you know I was I was really happy with where I was going, but then, you know, I obviously got this this uh, injury. But then it also kind of, over these last couple of weeks, I've learned a lot about myself. I've done a lot of reading on different things. You know, I've had some conversations with some great people and I just feel in a great place to come back and I'm excited to see what's going to happen now. Well, you seem like somebody who's got a real fertile mind in terms of you always looking for, like myself, looking for to self-improve, looking to mm. make yourself better, kind of always challenging your convention, wanting to become better person, better player, better teammate. That's why I think whenever we've sat down and spoken, we've had dinner obviously away from this and we've spoke multiple times. I think I've always been drawn to you in terms of, I think, you know what, there's somebody who's got an inquisitive mind to to see you playing good rugby. For me, I'm like, yeah, that fits with how I see you. I don't see, because I don't really care for any of the stuff that's off a rugby pitch. I'm like, that's your personal life. And in other countries, so... Yeah, like for me, the, the thing that affected my moral compass was obviously the the drink drive thing it was the morning after I felt like I'd had enough sleep and I felt fine but you know at the end of the day as I, I got that conviction and it is going to be frowned upon um and I can completely understand why you know yeah but the, I mean but you know not but saying I'm just saying, fantastic, I, but I'm not saying it's fantastic it's not great but I'm saying with, with in terms of the grand scheme of things which have been misdemeanors there was but, but people, that with, with you you're the same as me people don't mm. give people don't really give a fuck what's happened it's like oh we knew, yeah, there you go. He's drink mm. driving. They think, you know, you've jumped into a car coming out of a nightclub yeah, and dropped yeah, yeah. you. Uh, it, is, it is what it is. And it was just, for me, in my moral compass, I could say there was that which I was obviously frustrated in because I'd, I'd seen my dad get two convictions as a kid. And it was like, you know, you're a kid, you're like, I 
I don't want to be like my dad or whatever it is. You know, I love my dad to bits, but you know, it was just that. And, and then that happened. I was kind of like, oh shit, like I've ended up doing that now, even though much of a mistake as it was, it happened, you know? So for me, it was just that there was that, but in terms of things which should really not have been issues, yeah, there's, there's lots of them. But So would you say that's your low point? No, nah, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it was, a, it, I'm not even say it's a low point because I've I've learned a lot from it. I've mm. I've I've not I've not been able to be carefree. I've not been able to just break the rules or be disruptive in that way. You know, I've got to stick to that and I you know, I have done and I've I've been a a model civilian. <laughs> <laughs> See my, part of my part of my like Peter Kay's passed away. I used to do a lot of stuff in male psychology. Pete used to say to me, he didn't know whether I had a cell he used to say, you know, sometimes you're at your most vulnerable when everything's going well. He says, I never worry about you when you're back, you're back into a corner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and when I talk to you about it, it's almost like I kind of see them similarities. You know, I see mm. that, you know, when well, ever something a, happens, I've like the drink driving in- thing, I was like, he'll be fine. He'll, he'll, yeah, yeah. No problem, he'll come through. I've, I've had my back against the wall for about eight years now, so I'm still just trying to, you know, I'm enjoying the process. But, but also it is, I'm the same. I feel like I've been back yeah. against the wall, but I also really enjoy not, I always feel you're fighting against that because that's a box people mm. want to put you in. Certainly when you've had high profile, uh, public, you know, misdemeanors as we have, mm. I feel that people always want to try and use it as the stick to beat you. And I'm like, hey, look, that happened. I'm moving forward. And look, mm. you look to me. I mean, whenever we've spoken, when we've spoke away from it, as somebody who's got, I mean, I mean, I think your greatest skill is your mindset in yeah. terms of, I'm just going to keep moving forward. You know, that comes from, your family background growing up, you know. I think it was just, yeah, my, it was just the way I was as a kid. It was like, you just got to keep moving forward. Otherwise, you know, you're going to end but up that's your greatest getting skill. into trouble and doing what everyone else is doing. But for me, it was, yeah, it was just about battling on. Like Joe Joyce grew up in a similar area to me. And he, it was funny because I seen him in the gym the other day and we were just talking about stuff. And I remember I've not seen him for years like you know Nicky Bailey as well he grew up in a similar area is he played for Millwall yeah yeah and... Millwall and Charlton yeah, and okay, so yeah. It was I played against this... him a few times yeah, yeah you would have you would have he was playing for Sutton did he play again in the... was it Sutton in the FA Cup against Arsenal maybe he, he had a long when the guy got done top, for like... eating the pie yeah, do you remember yeah, was he playing yeah. in that game I'm not sure I'm yeah, not I think sure he was, yeah. yeah he might have been but he had a long stint playing a good yeah level, he's a good player know? yeah yeah so there was all of us playing then back so in you the had a good a good standard of football around you the lads have gone on and made it you know, we're sitting talking about kind of mindset, so on and so forth. I mean, to go out to Australia, which is, you know, I'm not being disrespectful to the Northern Hemisphere in terms of mm. rugby union, but Southern Hemisphere rugby union, Dan, is considered, well, certainly when I watch watch the games down there, there's an incredible level of competition. To go out there at a young age, I mean, that takes some balls. Yeah, I. it was driven upon, like, I just need to get out of this country. It was like everything I do, it was just... I'd wake up, there'd be photographers outside mm. my house, you know, whatever it was. So it was an I'd, escape I'd, form of escapism. I'd, I'd play a good game, they'd report it as if I'd played an average game. Whereas before I'd played a good game, they reported it as if I'd been world class. Like, do you know what I mean? It was just, it just became a bit too much. So yeah, I just thought, what a great opportunity to go play super rugby. So I went over there, um, did that. Um, and I, lo- I, I loved it. It was, it was amazing just to like go away and just be in that environment like was, go, go, on your own did you go out with your, did you yeah no, out with no I went on my own um, but you know you know it's like team sport you're very lucky straight away you kind of get X amount of teammates who you know within that group four or five become you really good mates and you've got a bunch of mates that you have for life or whatever it may be and what about the Aussie side I mean the Premier League here is you know the big league everyone wants to play in and mm. the Aussie competition I take it is the big League, yeah, so over there there it was in the super rugby, so it's called Super 15. So there was five teams from South Africa, five teams from Australia, five teams from New Zealand, and we were all competing, playing against each other. And I went to a new franchise who, um, once again, you know, was kind of trying to set up a new thing and really trying to Melbourne Rebels, yeah, it was good, but just didn't quite have the coaching side of it to to really drive it, um, you know, and I and I learned again to deal with different type of coaching in, in that experience. And and for me, it just it just gave my hunger even back for me to come back to England and try and, you know, crack on and really sort of finish my career out here. But, but the, competition, I would, I would say, the competition game for games got to be a lot higher than... Yeah, it, I think what it is, I reckon if you took the top six teams in that league, top six teams in our league, 
I don't. I almost feel like England were winning that in that league. But yeah, also, but it, it'd be more like taking the top six sides from the Champions, the old Heineken Cup, Champions Cup now, and playing against the top six sides there because it's spread across three it, countries. It's really. spread across three countries, but I just think in the Premiership, anyone can beat anyone on their day. Really, you have got your top teams, and even though Saracens probably look unbeatable at the minute, anyone can win on their day, right? And their culture, great culture. Yeah, they or seem to have a good culture. They, they do have a great culture. There's not many people that you find leaving that club. I'm sure that a lot of those players get offered a lot more money to go elsewhere but they they have cracked that culture they've had some great cult coaches you know along along the way um they've got some great guys there now and they're clearly um setting the bar in in, in all levels if you're going to be a top coach and you're going to improve your mindset your skill set do you want to have different well, environments to, yeah you've been to australia you've you've obviously done the the British model in terms mm. of you know your, your time here with Sale in, in a certain role. I think there's more to learn from other sports than going abroad. So for me, one of the first things I would do as a coach is I'd fly to Australia. I would ask if I could you know stand in the room or listen to what Craig Bellamy does. Who's who's that's coach not it. Craig Bellamy who played for Newcastle and Man City no, and no, West Ham. He's the he's the head coach of Melbourne Storm. And their consistency, his ability to turn players who are good, which is great, in the NRL, NRL who are good, great players into world class players. His system, his the way he motivates people. Like I, you just watch their last final. You know they won thirty four points to six or whatever it may have been, and it was a it, they dismantled it. It was a perfect performance, and he's won many trophies. So for me, I'd go and just try and chat to him and experience like what what has he done and what how come he's been so successful what is it been he's been doing because he's definitely got a formula that works but you got lot there's lots of them on our doorstep yeah, you've yeah, got woodward winner yeah, yeah well exactly dave brailsford serial winner what team sky are doing at the minute it's incredible exactly but it, it, there's a whole variety of things i'd love to sort of enjoy and you got the you got the nfl if you can get embedded in there this is yeah the I all think, blacks I think, culture i think american sport very different though in it i think they're very capable of dealing with different characters well it's just the finance they put into it as well well finance the finance but also i just think you know you look at the nba teams that they pick or the nfl teams they're all different characters mm. aren't they like and yeah. all the coaches are well adversed in dealing with different characters so i think they they obviously throw up different questions you know, it's more maybe a motivation type of thing. You well, know. they understand that every sportsman is his own industry. Yeah. Where we don't. It's almost like every sportsman should be in the team. Yeah. And the team is the industry. Whereas now in modern sports I with feel social like football, media. football's a bit more we're, we're getting it, it, would you say? We're ahead of the curve in terms yeah. of, you know, because it's the number one sport with the most exposure in this country. Mm. Uh, and... You know, footballers kind of face through the wall in terms of social media and big presences on Facebook and whatever it is that they were starting to understand and clubs are starting to understand that all players are brands and they can monetize the brand. You see what's happening with Deli Alley now. I mean, they're having a go at him in the papers today saying he needs to focus on his football and he's yeah. too busy doing photo shoots. And so they don't but fully they, understand they it. Always go along that oh, for line. Sure. For I, sure. that's, that's, that, I was, that's what happened with me when I was 20 or whatever, you know. Well, who's the biggest? Well, who's the biggest? Sports brand this in this hemisphere really Beckham yeah nobody's done it better than Beckham but in American culture he's just another guy you know you've got Michael Jordan who's done that before Kobe Bryant you've got Stephen Curry now who's doing it you know plus you've got Peyton Manning you've got you've Tom got, like, Brady's what do you call it the um the ball the ball family you know Lonzo Ball he's got his own trainer brand he hasn't even played an NBA game yet what a guy. What a guy. We need to be able to do that ourselves, mate. Nah, nah, over here you just get <laughs> rinsed. Well, you, the culture's different. Yeah, I mean, they, it is they, different. They, they, don't under, they don't really compromise for winning. They, their culture's about winning. You know, our culture's about getting on with they everybody. They love the elite. They love winning. They love Win at the all costs. greatest. And if you finish but second, you're not a winner. I almost feel like we just try and dumb down the greatest here. As much. So even as high as you can get, they like whatever it is, they want to try and just chop him off at his knees. Like Deli Ali. Playing world class football, doing great. Let's try and bring him back down to reality. Plus, he doesn't fit. But for what reason, though? I want to get you onto this because this, I think, it's a fascinating part of it. So we look at we're talking about the class because we've got a class structure here which you don't really have. I mean, Americans are kind of. But I think I think it is classist for sure. Whereas you get more racial divide in America. Well, that could that could be. I'm I'm not one to put words into your own mouth, but for sure with yourself, 
you know, you don't come from the stereotypical rugby class, which is well to do. I'm not rugby class. Rugby is and cricket. So we look at the Ben Stokes. Cricket, cricket is quite adverse. It's quite, you know, it's you know, it's in a strange way. Like I remember my cricket club was in um, Streatham, and you get it's very wide cultured and, and range of a variety of people. For yeah, sure. but but the, so the ECB, but for they, instance, yeah, 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 the, the people that the run people the who board. go and watch it, the yeah, people that, that run that, it, and that. the RFU is the same. The FA is kind of a little bit the same, but it's a working mm, class mm. game. But you know yourself, the, 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 there's a great saying: um, a lie gets halfway around the world before the yeah, truth seen that. has a chance to get his pants on. I would record it. I actually tweeted that the other day. You know, Colin Kaepernick did and I and I Yeah. I quoted that was it. Kaepernick then, has seen it. And then I got some paper messaging me on Twitter going, Well, before you tweet it, just know that Winston Churchill never used the word pants. And then I wrote back going, It's funny, did you know Winston? Like how do you know? Because <laughs> that's a Winston Churchill saying. Yeah, yeah. So it was like it was just funny because like it obviously come from Colin Kaepernick and there's obviously this whole thing in America about taking a knee. What's your take on this? I would take two knees. I'd take a knee 100%. Like, so you're not a Trump man? Well, it's, it's not that. I just think what's happened is, for me on it, is they're not disrespecting the military, but that's how they're trying to pass it off as. But I don't know if you heard Eminem's rap on it the other day. He went at Trump. It was unbelievable. And it was just basically saying how... Dan, you, do I look like the kind of guy who listens to Eminem? Perhaps. <laughs> I don't know. You look a bit snazzy. You got, no, but it was just it, he, he went it, the in what they were talking about is how Trump's basically tried to belittle the the power or not the power but the voice of these American football players and well, he's, he he basically, the media. he's dumbed them down by basically saying, "Oh, they're just dumb jocks." But what they're actually have an opportunity to do is they've got a platform to speak for people who can't speak. You know, they're not just doing this on an individual basis. It's a field. There has been a general racial misinjustice in America for a long time. You know, I remember the Rodney King trials mm. or whatever it was. You watch the Straight Outta Compton film and you see how those police officers got off with the way they beat that guy so severely. It was shocking. But it's almost like it, not too much has changed because there is things coming out, you know. There's a, well, we're seeing with what's happened here, you know, that there's a huge underlying race issue. So you're mixed race, yeah. is that right? Yeah. So... I've seen it from a different point of view. Of course. You know, I've been in... I've you wouldn't in, know that to look at you. No, you, you wouldn't, wouldn't know. know. But, you know, I actually feel almost stronger into my black side of my family because it was like... See, the Cipriani all, thing all flew through me because that's like how yeah, I thought you were it, Italian. Yeah. That's where I thought the dark kind of good-looking Italian genetics were coming from. <laughs> well, I think hundreds and hundreds of years ago there must have been some Italian geezer Where's in the, the Cipriani bit come from? Well, is that your, obviously your mum's side? My mum tracked it back and I don't know how accurate it is so I'm not going to say the story but... So would you do, um, what is it, who do you think you are if they came to you? Um, maybe. Find out like it Danny Dyer, you're like related to Oliver Cromwell. Yeah, it would be interesting. <laughs> it would be interesting. <laughs> what happens if it isn't and you just like, just relate to like chimney sweeps? Yeah, well, I would have massive respect for chimney sweeps. No, no. <laughs> so we, 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 we go and I, I totally agree with uh, Kaepernick. Have you seen the fact that they've put a, he's put a lawsuit together about the NFL? Colin has, Kaepernick. Yeah, saying basically they've... Um, white they stopped got rid of him out the game. Yeah. The, the, the NFL have well, basically got him out the game. Yeah, it's like and he's a free agent. he got to a Super Bowl final, and you you don't do that if you can't play quarterback. No, he knows what he's doing. He's yeah. a good footballer. Um, but you know, you know yourself, and rightly or wrongly, people who take a stance. You remember Muhammad Ali taking a stance against the Vietnam War. Massively, he got put in prison. Got banned from boxing. You know, publicly um, shamed for mm. doing it. 20, 30 years later, people look yeah. back and go, what a legend, what a guy for but doing that. I, I actually, because I actually sent, I just wrote a tweet out to him just saying like, not that he knows who I am and or anything like that. I just said, what you're doing right now is going to, in hundreds of years, is way more important than any football game you could play. So I was just like, respect for what you're doing because he's obviously can't do what he loves right now and that it must be infuriating for him because of the, because it is completely been taken out of his hands. Yeah, but also, it, it it it's not a. I'm not. I don't want to play devil's advocate here. The success he had when he first went in, he wasn't. I'm not saying he'd go in and be a franchise quarterback for someone right now. Clearly, talented enough to he play. Could be, yeah, but he definitely should be someone's second choice. And oh, it, for sure. There's like at the weekend, Aaron Rodgers went down. Yeah. Do Green Bay mean? could have done with him. Yeah, and he's going to be out. He's cracked his shoulder. He's cracked his shoulder blade. The collarbone. Yeah. 
100% he could go in and, and I mean whether he knows the schemes and he knows the system so on and so forth but all that stuff and if he had time obviously like you say he could be that franchise guy but it's still someone of his quality and calibre in such a unique position and it's just frustrating that that the the, polit- the political divide has become such a dominant role in whether he can play or not. I always remember Robbie Fowler. Do you ever remember Robbie Fowler? The message on his T-shirt and he got banned for it. What did the message say? he got say? fined for it about the Liverpool Dockers okay, in support yeah, yeah. of the Liverpool Dockers. Yeah. And a lot of the stuff with footballers not being able to lift the heads. Is that? Yeah, the top over the heads is about, you know, it's got to, you've got to be apolitical. You can't be, you know, they can't have a political message. We do a, a thing at the end of it, which is some quick fire questions. So, just going to bang through them. And so, first one, Dan, is what is your idea of happiness? My idea of happiness is a state of mind, and it's the ability to um, not ride the wave too high or to ride the wave too low, because there is ups and downs in life, and it's just about taking you know the good and the bad from it and trying to learn from it. So, Raj, I was just going to say that. You know, he's, and who else? He's my favourite philosopher. It's very, very Epicurean. Raj was my uh, philosophy professor yeah. at university. As soon as you start speaking, anyway, it's very Epicurus. He believes in not getting too high, not getting too low. I told you, and Dan's an Epicurean. So he didn't even know it. I'm an Epicurean, apparently. The middle way. That's what he talks about. The yeah. middle way. Yeah, man, I like that. It's cool. That's that's because I've I've ridden the wave low and I've ridden it high. I've seen both sides, and it's like. But you're also not someone who pushes for middle ground, though, are you? No, I'm not someone who pushes for middle ground. I want excellence, and I want the I want the best. But with that, also becomes a prag- pragmatic, pragmatism. yeah, pragmatism to it. And for me, it was you know I I went through nine months where I had to see a psychiatrist for depression. Like I I was there, and you know I I get there's some kids who obviously hear about that they dm me on twitter and i speak to them and i tell them i'm no professor i'm no person to listen to but look, this is how i dealt with it you know like but knowledge is feeling and have you felt yeah, of it course. It's knowledge? yeah of course um so yeah that was just how so I that leads me on to my next question yeah what is your idea of misery what what gets you down what gets me down um not too much now what used to get me down was just the the misjudgment the misunderstanding of myself but now I, it, that doesn't get me down because I know who I am I think when you're growing up I think through those years and you're still trying to work it out and you're still trying to see and you know you've got your consistencies of behaviours of who you are and then the media try and shape you to be a certain way and be a certain person and people put you in their books to sell a few books and people think that, that that's the way to um, whatever they're searching for in that sort of same process they're trying to shape you but like as I've got older I know who I am and, and what I'm about and um, I'm very comfortable in that fact and that's why I'm excited to get back fit now because I think as you get older these things um, are all lessons for you to learn from so stuff out of your control yeah, yeah I'd down, say stuff out of my injury. control um, injuries don't get me I, injuries are cool because I know I've got unbelievable fitness team to come back with from Good mindset also helps you if you've got a good mindset mm, towards mm. it, which you seem to have. What person do you admire most and why do you admire them? Steve Black. Steve Black's who I admire the most because he took, in my situation with him, it was someone that entered a meeting who perhaps didn't want to be there and he just related to me. And I've seen him relate to so many different types of people um, and... I just can't imagine that anyone's got a bad word to say about him. But I know there is because I know he conflicts and, you know, he, he does draw opinion from different people and it might come from a place of being threatened, whatever it may be. But having known him yourself, he's just not a threatening character. He would be, he if could you, be. He could be if you're <laughs> yeah. not a bright individual. Yeah. But if if you are adverse to all these different types of things, then... You know, he's nothing but a positive light to yeah. be around. So for me, oh, well, yeah. when I say that, when I do say that question, when it's the person, it's always external, obviously, of your family, obviously, your mother, huge figure on yeah. you, and other family members huge. who are big influences on you. So whenever I say that, obviously, I take for granted that yeah, it's yeah, obviously yeah. outside the yeah, family. Yeah, it's outside the family, yeah. He just, he metaphorically taught me how to shave. Like, do you know what I mean? He was yeah. So in life. Give you life lessons yeah. to be more. Become the man that I need to yeah, be. That, that yeah. You, no, that you had the potential to be. Yeah. That's better. That you need to be. So obviously, Blackie practices the 
mindset or the performance mindset of Kaizen. Are you an advocate of that? Yeah, for sure. Big advocate. Um, I think working with Blackie and then obviously seeing how he operates with you and he's operated with Johnny Wilkinson and, you know, different people. I think he's very good at um, tailoring what he needs for the individual as opposed to just following a certain rule or a method of just following, say, Kaizen. Because for me, when I met him, it was more like a, a father figure type role he played earlier on. And, th- you know, we got more into sort of the Kaizen and things like that. That became a very, um, you know, relevant part of what we were doing. And, you know, just keeping that general mindset on it, you know, every day. So where, where did you where did you first meet Blackie? Well, I I just I just got a little knee injury. And my agent at the time, uh, he was just like, I'd, I think it'd be very beneficial for you to meet Steve Black and have a sit down and talk to him, you know, and I was kind of at the point where I was a bit like, you know, I've got people in my life and I thought, you know, I'm, I'm good. And he was very persistent. So I thought, do you know what? I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to sit down and have a chat with, with Blackie. And I did ended up being like a three and a half hour conversation, you know, and you could just tell he gets elite performance. Yeah. Um, he, he gets it with humor. He, he's very personable. He's very, and you know, he almost gets the individual in the same sense as well. So, you know, it was uh, it was straight away we just hit it off, and and ever since then we've you know been very close and work work closely together over the last four or five years. For a lot of people who don't know what Steve does, Steve's a, a, I would say a performance coach. People ask me all the time, what, what does Blackie do? What's his skill set? And like Blackie just makes things better. And you know, people will be tuning into this and not really knowing what Kaizen is. Well, Blackie practices a a, a mindset, a performance mindset of, I think he got it from Toyota, um, which is uh, the art of Kaizen, which is the continuous state of improvement. So he explained to me that people go from kind of one position to an, an elite performance position and to sit here and think about that jump is incredibly difficult. But actually when you break it down into kind of daily, um, he says, uh, purposeful kind of practice how you'd improve purposefully going out and, and looking to mm. improve whether it's you know f- for me in a football uh, respect or for yourself in a rugby perspective whether it's working the gym to make yourself stronger whether it's practicing your kicking practicing elements of your game that you're going to utilize with with yourself did you see any of the stuff that uh, Steve did with Johnny Wilkinson was was Wilkinson a, a role model of yours kind of growing up I think um I think with Blackie hitting there on the head it's he, he kind of gives you an end goal um even if you are at the elite level or whatever it is it kind of gives you a daily purpose of training because there can be times I guess throughout your career you know my career whatever it is there there is periods when you almost go training you, you work you know you work hard you put the effort in you go home but you've not really thought about what you've done or you've thought about why you're doing it or you know giving yourself an actual goal for that day and it doesn't it's not as strenuous as every day sitting down and giving a goal but the fact that the kaizen is constantly trying to improve it's almost trying to get the best out of each individual day then you're going to be making those strides in the right directions and that's what he helped you know really work with me and I had a, a huge role to do that when I went to sell sharks I had to be the experienced player and I was 25 and try and drive on the youngsters so for me it was I couldn't have an off day in training because I couldn't set that example for them. And that's that's kind of what a lot of our focus was when I when I sort of met Blackie. Um, what is your favourite book? Why is it your favourite? You can choose one fiction, one non-fiction if you want. Um, I don't, I'm not really one for reading fantasy stories. It's always something for my brain if I can. Because um, I'd rather get in, feel like I'm learning something. Uh, so for me... Right now I'm enjoying the one ego is the enemy because I'm in a position where you're a sportsman so you'd think that everything's ego driven but if you can actually compete at a high level and it's not ego driven it comes it comes from a different place um so and there's times when that gets tested there's times when you know someone will say something and your immediate instinct or reaction it you know it is often your ego saying oh you shouldn't say that about me or whatever it may be so it's just trying to come from a place of um you know, since you know, he, he's just, getting very. He's doing the fasting. Ego. It's very Buddhist. He's getting very, very. Uh, there's a lot of that feel. Which Raj is practicing Buddhism at the can, minute. Raj, aren't you? that's cool. I that's cool. Cool way. Can, yeah. If I was going to be any of any religious disposition, yeah, I think I'd be a Buddhist. So you don't think that there's 
I don't know. Okay, I need to talk to you fair. <laughs> I'm saying, yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm asking the questions here. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favourite film? And what's so good about the film? My favourite film? Um, I, I'm going to get a few eyebrows here, but it's The Notebook. Jeez, in hell. Why is the, why the Notebook? Because, right, I think when you watch that again now to this day, um, it's just it's just not going to happen again. It's just done. That type of love is done. Like, it's just changed. What you meet, grow old together. It's just beautiful. It's just the way it is. The why, way it is. You happen? just emotionally get involved because everyone's on their phone. Everyone's whatever. It's just a different culture. It's a different world now. You can obviously still find that and have that, but you I mean, ain't gonna get that on Tinder. I don't think are you. No, nah, well, I don't know. No, nah, I don't know. It's, so it's no either that. Yeah. Oh, I like why? The, because that it's the fantasy of. Like that perfect love. I just for me, it's just like those are two of my favorite actors: Rachel McAdams, Ryan Gosling. I fall in love with her every film she plays. I just think, wow, that's beautiful. Okay, that's nice, mate. Listen, mate, it's whatever floats your boat. Or I like the concept of the Matrix because I almost feel like that's almost truer than you believe. Uh, what's your favorite song or piece of music, and why is it your favorite? Um, one song that's tough. My my genre is hip hop. Um, I often like the message. Do you like playing music yourself? Do I like playing, making playing? Music? Oh right, no. Um, no, nah, I like to think just that listening. I can, yeah, just listening. I'm, 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 I'm an unbelievably good dancer. Okay, unbelievably good. Um, Got a bit of rhythm, yeah. <laughs> I was just born with it. I'm very lucky. Um, <laughs> I, can, I just like the message in hip hop. Obviously, there's a lot of bitches and hoes or whatever they say but Who's you know there's a j cole geezer? j cole he's he's someone who pushes the envelope in terms of his message in all different forms um so i'm 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 pretty into that and all different types of ways so not like x factor do you watch x factor uh, i don't know i'm not a massive fan of watching those shows yeah they can be engaging can't they sometimes? no they can be fun yeah strictly come dancing uh yeah, I think it can be fun. Would you go on strictly come dancing? No, I personally wouldn't. Um, you got a bit of rhythm, you said. Yeah, I know, but I don't need to go on a show for that. Yeah, but I'm just saying it, it surely it's a challenge if you've got a bit of rhythm. Yeah, I think it's a it's a great show, and I think they obviously have a huge audience. I personally just where I'm at right now, it's, I just probably wouldn't go on there right now. But if you do, you'll win it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what's your favourite meal and are you good at sticking to strict diet plans from your club and can you cook I can cook um, but very basic limited healthy meals but I try and make them taste nice with well, obviously I, you've, an, you've answered that before strict diet plans because you're yeah, eating, yeah. eating in four hour windows yeah well that's changes a bit at the minute but um, so my favourite meal I don't know I love if, if you were on I love West Indian food because like, when I was a kid growing up, like my grandma and my auntie, you know, like callaloo, like or rotis, like goat curries, like doubles, stuff from Trinidad. It's just what, when I taste it, it's got so much memory. Like it just makes me feel like a kid again in that All way. Right. So, so it anchors you to that place? Yeah. Well, I my dad actually arrives on Wednesday. I've not seen him for five years. So I'm looking forward to that. Is your dad Trinidadian? Trinidad, yeah, yeah. He's been over there since What's I was that 10. Trinidad and Tobago? Yeah. Trinidadian, is that what they say? Trinidadian. Trinidadian. Yeah. So that's like Dwight York, he's Trinidadian. Yeah, yeah, he's from Brian Tobago. Lara. Brian's from Trinidad. All right, mate, so yeah. they got a decent football side, they got to the World yeah. Cup, so you could have potentially played in the World they Cup. They beat USA you? the other day, didn't they? Have they qualified again? I don't know if they qualified, but they stopped the US from qualifying. Yeah, but it's big, it's predominantly cricket's there in the one sport. It, it is, but it's been very Americanised over there, so a lot of basketball's influencing over there. All right, so England play West Indies not long ago. Mm. Are you rooting for the Windies or are you rooting for England? Uh, see, I grew, well, up, can't lose. I grew up with West Indies. I, yeah, I can't lose. Um, <laughs> it's it's tough. I don't know. I think West Indian cricket's just gone down a slippery slope over the years, and I think Chris Gale's done his best to hold on to it. Um, but I think the slope, like I said, is just America, um, the West Indies in general have become more Americanized. So a lot of basketball influx, a lot of American sports, um, music, a lot of, you know, all the things like that. So cricket has not been what it was when Brian Lara is playing. And, you well, know, was that was the big thing. Big bowler, Malcolm, that, was it? Malcolm Marshall. Yeah. So know. they've lost all them to basketball? Yeah. Well, I, I, I or guess potential so. players yeah, potential, who could do I, that. I guess so. I think it's just yeah. become more along that way of TV. They might want to become a musician, whatever it is, you know, um, 
it's just not the first thing that you want to do as a kid now in the West Indies where it used to be. All right. Uh, fancy dinner party. You were hosting a dinner party for six. six. Who are your ideal five guests? Because obviously you've got to be yeah. one of them. Uh, Denzel Washington, my favourite actor. I think he makes terrible fa- films turn out to be great. He's never in a bad film. I don't think Man on Fire, my favourite film, Denzel's in it. But like that film where the train just wouldn't stop, he was in it. Really, that should have been a terrible film, but he just made it like engrossing. It was just... The one where he stays in the bed, the bone collector. Phenomenal in that, he doesn't get out of the bed. Yeah, it's unbelievable. So yeah, him... What's your favourite Denzel film? Um, Man on Fire. Yeah, Yeah, great film, isn't it? And is it Ava Mendes who's in there with it? uh, Is it when he's steam? No, no, that's... um, Training Day. That's Training, training day. day. He's good in Training Day. Yeah. What's the guy's name He's in Training proper. Day with him? Uh, Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Good actor as well, Ethan Yeah, Hawk. he is. You look a bit like Ethan Hawke. <laughs> is that because the snipe goatee I've got? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> so you got Denzel in there. Denzel's there. Um... So there's only you and Denzel at the minute. Yeah, it's going to be just, quite awkward. It's a bit intimate. I need to mix Just him and Denzel, bit. yeah. It's quite awkward. Rachel McAdams. Oof. I just feel like I'd fall in love with her. Yeah, but then you wouldn't be focusing on what Denzel's got to say. No, I'm, you know, you've got to be very adaptive in this situation. I don't really know. This is a very tough four, question. Where you got what? Three got other people? Three play people to come. From history, dead or alive. Okay. Any rugby people? Uh, Not really. No. you got Winston Churchill, you got... Well, I was thinking, you know, it'd be interesting to have like Martin Luther King there. There you go. Get Martin Luther, he's in, get invited. <laughs> he's invited. Uh, Jay Cole's coming because he can perform. Not Joe Cole, that's not who used to play for Chelsea. Jay, Jay Cole, the rapper. Well, yeah. I, I, Joe Cole, I'm a Chelsea fan, so I've got big respect for Joe Cole well, too. There and Chelsea, Abramovich, getting Abramovich there, asking what's happening with Chelsea. <laughs> uh, be on his yacht, so you won't have to pick up the tab probably. Yeah, yeah, I love Abramovich, so we can have, <laughs> he, he can be there, so we're, we're having food on his yacht. Rachel McAdams is next to me. You Den- can tell her that it's your yacht. Denzel's providing, the, you know, information, and Jay Cole's just singing. So I think that's a pretty decent. Denzel's actually quite good. If you hear him talk about uh, politics, unbelievable. And, yeah, very, very good. unbelievable. Yeah. His mindset and, a bit and of all a of it. Conspiracy theorist. He is potentially, bit. but then you look at things like whenever someone gets to a point of realization or understanding these different things, whether it be spirituality or whatever it may be. You know, they always then get labelled crazy. John Lennon, mate, or shot. Jim Carrey, like, he did something the other day. I know you pull that face, yeah, but he is, he's a, he's a legend. But the other day he went to, like, some fashion event and was like, I'm just here at the big ball of nothingness. And they were like, well, no, this is, people have put their work. Well, really, like, he was just going, this is all nothing, though, really, isn't it? Like, he, he obviously went on a tangent, but his point was in the grand scheme of things like how important in the world is a fashion show like how important is a sporting event it's all you know it's all so you're yeah but you're believing it's incredibly important because we do it you know, of course sport's it's powerful but it's, it's like if you're doing it powerful. for the right reasons and, and, and how you can give back and all different things in, in behind it uh, there's a really good Morrissey uh, song due out which I was uh, managed to get in the video he asked me to be in the video yeah and the main lyrics about uh, that's it stop believing what you read in the news, pretty much. Don't read the news because mm. the news is designed to do strange things to you. Maybe. And I think it is certainly nowadays. There's definitely something how you get your in, and, and interpret your, your information is clearly well, there's always very a, important the, to your at personality. The minute, there is always some disaster of something happening. Last but not least, what is your favourite quote? Do you have one? Um, no, I don't really have my favourite quote. Uh, there's several things that I enjoy taking um, my take on whatever it may be whether it be a lyric or something uh, and do you know I usually or... I usually ask people the day before they come that. so I've sprung that on you there because if someone asks me that mm. I'd be like Whoa. no but I, I I often take like, I like to give a message in whatever I post or whatever something and people can take it however they want so I just you know if you look at my Instagram or whatever I, I try and give some sort of message behind it of, of what's going on. Like, you think that's important in your communication? Yeah, I think to so. Have a purpose? I think so, for sure. Um, but then when you get people saying that, oh, you made my day or whatever, you know, things like that, you know, if you can get 1% of people... So I've seen fine. you tweet recently, 
um, the only source of knowledge is experience. I thought that was a good tweet. Yeah, that was. You come across so many types of quotes from books you read. It's hard to just pick one and be like, "That's my favorite." I quote shit all the time, mate. No, like, yeah. I literally quote stuff mm. that I think is applicable but, to my life. But something like that for me is was huge for me. If you are affluent, which we are fortunate to do by being good at sports, yeah. you know, it allows you a lot of time to think to to think about you know philosophies on life to think about how it you, depends you, though because some people's message or some people's focus is to get more affluent isn't it yeah you, like you look at a lot of pop stars you look at a lot of things like you know maybe the kardashians or bieber whatever it may be these type of people right they consistently are on a, a, a belt of trying to get more money but at the end of the day mm. they're in a much better position than us because they've got more followers, as it were, to actually change the culture or change something something that they believe in. Well, well, they're not really, because if you look at the Kardashians, don't like what they stand for. Mm. Probably deep down, if you spoke to them one-on-one, not bad human beings. But I think the message they convey is awful in terms of telling exactly. young girls yeah, to get not, body I'm, surgery. I'm not saying this, get... but what they could do, I'm saying what, not what they do do, because their, their message is constantly to be keeping making money within the family. But these people with these with the ability because they've got their touch to I mean, millions and millions yeah, of people, they you could, could be actually very influential. be very very influential. And I think that's what I'm trying to say is when you do become of a certain state of you know comfortable life, you know, it's then kind of your duty then to like you know not keep searching for that money and actually give something back in some sort I, of I way. I mean, seriously, something wrong with. Um, the Kardashians well, and the Kardashian just, brand. Uh, I just think we're in a world. I mean, I wouldn't even allow them on TV, you know. So I'm like, get get them off the telly. Like, mm. we can't be, uh, can't even allow the kids to. Everyone's searching for attention, aren't they? And if you're not getting it, you're you're trying to maybe do something in any way, shape, or form. You can but, get I attention. Mean, what annoys me is that there's a lot of, I mean, it's a strange culture out there, but they're actively encouraging young girls to have cosmetic surgery, surgery yeah. and get implants whether it's arse implants face yeah, implants mad stuff at a young age when they're very yeah. very vulnerable that's tough that because they're really conflicting on a lot of grounds there and that's this is that's the world just, we live in where, but like, this is but then where does it go from here like how does Trump it, how does it come back pre- president yeah that's what happens i don't know it's all mad when you allow stuff like that to happen that's what happens mate uh last question because once you'd asked this it was thinking about this before and i know yeah. you asked you on the favorite quote one Gonna be you're gonna be hopefully a lot of young people, influential people, anti Kardashian message that we're sending via this podcast. Obviously, mm. Dan, you know, pro cha- changing the world for the better kind of message. You know, if there's anybody out there listening to this who's aspiring sportsman, rugby player, want to learn lessons from from a Danny Cipriani, what one or what couple of good life lessons would you give either a younger yourself? You know, if you were talking to your younger self or a young player, player, sportsman out there who wants to win and do really well in this profession? Um, I think if it's in, obviously, the role of sport, you know, or even many professions, I think, obviously, work ethic and um, going to those extra lengths to, to physically, you know, be the best you can be is a given. I think those are definitely things that you can do. But obviously, there's a lot of people that get to those physical extremes and still don't quite make it. So I think it's more working on the on the mental side of things when you're when you're young. Um, you know, being able to have great self analysis of yourself from whether it be a poor poor performance or even a great performance. Like I said, it's being able to take you know lessons from both in 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 that way and keep evolving. I think you know, especially as a youngster, I think kaizen is an unbelievable thing to follow because. If you're constantly trying to get the best out of each day, trying to win something that day, trying to, um, you know, get something else, get get better, whether it be, you know, getting a little bit stronger or, or being able to read a situation a bit better, making your first touch better or taking a high ball in rugby, whatever it is, you know, if, if you can really isolate, break down the skills and, and come away from, you know, an, a, a session and actually feel like you're improving every single day, you're only ever going to be on the path to success then. Um something I would definitely recommend young sportsmen is to keep a journal for that fact because then that's something Blackie did with with myself I'm sure he probably did it with you but I think being able to log what you're doing in training every week to actually see what you've done in training because there's times you could go Monday to, to Sunday and you don't know exactly what you've been doing in training if you can log you know take some good parts out of the day some things you want to um, work on you did that every day. You got two, three points. You you've got a week. You know. You say you got three points a day, seven days a week. You get you know twenty one, and you build that up. Then you get into a month, and then suddenly you look back every month. 
that you have some legitimate things you can look down on in the paper that you can keep improving or you can definitely improve to get to the levels you want to get to. So it's actually being quite meticulous with that side of, of your life. I think that would definitely help. Um, but also keep the enjoyment within it too. Otherwise it'll get too much. Couldn't put it better myself, mate. Listen, Danny, absolute pleasure to have you on, mate. I could sit and talk to you all day. Yeah, love it. We'll definitely come back for the philosophy politics uh, podcast Mm. at some point in the future. And music. And listen, best of luck with the injury, mate. Looking forward to seeing you getting back at it and, and getting to the pinnacle of your sport again. No doubt that'll be very soon. So thank you. Thanks a lot for coming in, mate. Really enjoyed that. No problem. You've been listening to The Edge Podcast. And thanks again to Danny Cipriani there. A real interesting insight into his life on and off the pitch and how he's shown that resilience to come back from his setbacks, especially lived in the public spotlight. Let me know what you think by tweeting at DZUK and at Joey7Barton. And if you want to hear more from our conversation, you can find some exclusive extra bits over at Deezer.com or via the Deezer app. I'll be back next week, but until then, from me, Joey Barton, thanks and goodbye. Originals.